It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Powered by the Ingram Agency. You're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. The All-Star break is over, and guys, we are officially in the back half of the season. I'm your host, Kyle. With me is Daniel. Hello. And newly off injury reserve is Matt. Hey, guys. So, Matt, you went how many miles over the seas? Oh, I don't know. 4,000. Yeah, it was a bunch. And you came back, survived it, and felt a strep throat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was, I feel like the universe's way of telling me I should have stayed home all along. I did not break my uh, forearms skiing in the Alps or anything like that, but uh, as repercussions for that, I come home and fall plague victim to the strep throat for a few days. halfway around the world, <laughs> comes home, walks around a couple blocks here in Tennessee and catches strep throat. Yeah. So that's just how it is, man. Now, to be fair, we were actually supposed to record on Friday. The boys got back on Tuesday after a very fun no, trip back from Wednesday. Paris. Wednesday. We'll get oh, into that in a minute. Yep. And so I was like, hey, guys, it's time to record. We're good. You get a text Friday from Matt who says, I'm sickly. I'm in bed. I have the chills. I have strep. And we all know, like, Matt has a very low tolerance when it comes to this type of stuff. Like, when he goes down, he goes down hard. You yeah. Know? There's no middle ground with me. Yeah. No pain tolerance. We, some we, things I'm 100 and some things I'm zero. <laughs> that is one of them. But yes, it was it was a awesome trip though. We actually got to post a couple of pictures too. I hope you all got to see them on the Twitter. We had a couple from the tops of mountains. We had pictures of the Music City Gold logo. We even have one that we haven't posted yet of the Preds puck at the top of Europe too, which is pretty awesome. So. Now my favorite picture of y'all's entire group was the Matterhorn. Oh, it yeah. looked beautiful. Uh, I mean. Let me tell you, snowboarding in front of Matterhorn was like a bucket list item, and I can finally check it off because it was it was absolutely surreal, fantastic. The snow was drifting off the top because of the winds that day. I got some sweet GoPro footage. Uh, Matt and I had a blast. You know, um, did like you said, didn't break anything. We actually saw a guy helicoptered out who yeah. was who was uh, on a black diamond run. So, you know, that was the goal: have fun, but not do anything stupid because you are in a foreign country. So. Uh, overall, what a great trip. Awesome time. Though the trip home was pretty much terrible. Um, we got stuck on the Paris tarmac for four hours due to snow. Then we get into Chicago, of course, missing our connecting flight. Then we get delayed again. Then we also get canceled, and then we get canceled again. So then I find a plane going to Paducah, Kentucky, believe it or not, from Chicago. That's a thing. And we flew back and then had to do another two-and-a-half-hour drive-in home. Got in at like 3 in the morning. Uh, I think I got in bed by 4 a.m. probably after I, you know, dumped all my clothes out and got a shower and was up at 6 to go to work. <laughs> it was brutal, but. What time did you uh, finally get to bed, Matt, from that oh, trip? I, I don't know. Did yeah. you let Dan do all the driving you slept in the car? No. No, no. He just, we all basically passed out when we got back. Yeah, we were pretty exhausted. It was nuts. So, but once again, of course, Matt actually didn't have to go into work till 11. So that was kind of beneficial for him. He he got a couple more extra hours than me, but getting up at six right after 4 a.m. and 
about 30 hours of traveling. That was uh, pretty rough, but, man, we're glad to be back and glad to be talking some hockey, though. Now you're talking about plane rides. I would say everybody's back home, boys, because the All-Star Game officially wrapped up on the weekend. I know, Daniel, you and I watched uh, some of it. Matt, did you watch any of it? Yeah, yeah, I got to see a little bit of it. During his injured reserve list there, he was just sitting on the couch with strep throat. Yeah, caught a few highlights in between naps. Now, was you surprised that uh, Team Metro won the All-Star Tournament and our favorite fanboy, Sidney Crosby, was named MVP? <laughs> yeah, I could see the Metro winning for sure, and I definitely could have seen them giving Sidney Crosby the, uh, the MVP there. So that's, that did not come as a surprise at all. Yeah, I thought the Central was going to get it. Because, you know, Yossi had a really good time in the two games he played against the Pacific and the Metro. You know, game one against the Pacific, he got a goal and three assists. And then the game two against the Metro, he got two assists. And Rene did pretty well also. But you know who did terrible in the uh, championship game? Uh-huh. Devin Dubnik. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was like he got destroyed that first first period in the, in the championship match. Uh, he just didn't look like... I mean, here, let's hold on. Granted, this is three-on-three hockey, and these are the best players in the world. Sometimes they'll make you look a little stupid, especially when, like, you know, they're not – I don't want to say they're not trying, but they're not playing as hard as they would if it were a real three-on-three match because they don't want to get injured. You're not slashing someone to take a penalty if they have a wide-open net. You know what I mean? So it's whatever, but at the same time, like, Dubnik got destroyed in that first period. Watching him in the first game against the Pacific, I was like – okay, he's looking really good. And then that championship game was like, oh, there's Preds Dubnik. Looked terrible. Preds Dubnik, wow. Yeah, I mean, look at Rene. He had 14 stops in both games and overall had one of the best showings for a goalie at the All-Star Tournament. Yeah, he was playing for a win. He wasn't here for none of the showing off yeah, nonsense. Yeah, he wanted that, playing, what was that million-dollar <laughs> prize. Yeah, it, he looked pretty sharp. I mean... I don't know. It was one of those things like they always do 50-50 on the goalie. So even if one goalie is hotter than the other or obviously better than the other, they're not going to put that goalie in for more than one period. So you're going to get picked for only one period. <laughs> that's that's plain and simple. So it wasn't going to change. Now, of course, the one thing that I saw people complaining about during the All-Star game was the theme of high-tech hockey. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we say high-tech hockey – the NHL decided to use the All-Star game to debut their um, like yeah, puck tracking their ad- technology. Yeah, their advanced puck tracking and advanced stat collecting. So various times during the game, you would see like the, the names of the players pop above their head as they're skating. Or you would see the famous uh, glow puck return with a slightly mm. grayed comet trail around the puck as it went around. Man, that, that had everyone in up- uprage, let me tell you. For the traditionalist, you know, it's like whatever, just track the puck yourself. But at the same time, like, it wasn't super distracting to me, I felt like, because they did use like that gray faded puck trail, and sometimes it did make it a little bit easier to track, to be honest. I'm just saying. Especially when the puck is in traffic from the net and you're trying to figure out where the puck is at. Yeah, you could see it. Yeah. Now, I wasn't a really a big fan of having the nameplates up, but I can see where that can be useful. But I don't want them showing up during the game. I was actually okay, like you said, Daniel, with the actual puck trail and occasionally during the game. I think the biggest takeaway from this is that it's not going to be used as like an in-game thing per se a whole lot where there's going to be flashing and lights and like players placards and everything, you know, displayed on the TV. I think it's more of an analytical tool for coaching and for, you know, metrics people. They're going to be tracking your on-ice time, your speed. I did notice that one, you know, 
the coolest part was you could see the shot speed. So someone would shoot at the net, and it would actually show the speed at which they shot, which is really cool. Those are really cool metrics that you want to see during the game, and it just popped up kind of you know like a um, kind of like a pitcher in, in baseball. They'll throw up a fastball and it'll show 98, you know, it'll pop up on the screen, and that's kind of what they do with the shot meter or the shot speed. So I liked a lot of those additions, but I think a lot of this is going to be more insightful for the players and the coaches, and they can really, literally sit on the bench and track everything. And, of course, one thing we have to talk about, the NHL also learned, again, another valuable lesson about how important social media is in this day and age, especially when it comes to sports. So if you didn't hear, Team USA sent Brianna Decker and Kendall Cohn, and Team Canada sent Renata Fass and Rebecca Johnston to do some demonstrations of the skills competitions. So, for example, Kendall Cohn actually participated in the um, fastest skater competition. And she actually beat uh, the Arizona player. I can't remember his name. Keller. Yeah, Keller. It's crazy. He he got hosed by her. I mean, like, she was she was extremely fast. She was very fast. And it makes you realize that these women that play the game are very good at it, and they're very fast, and they can give the men some competition. Now, Brianna Decker, she was chosen to basically demonstrate the Premier Pass event, which, if you didn't see it, it's basically, you know, can you hit some cardboard cutouts? Can you hit some uh, little tiny nets and hit some uh, flashing beakers? Turns out she actually won the event. <laughs> Unofficially, she won. Uh, a girl that was there who went to Scripps College in SoCal by the name of Abby Sorkin timed her, and she completed it with a time of one minute and six seconds, which was two seconds faster than the actual supposed winner of Leon Dreisaitl. A social media campaign got started to say to pay her because she won. The NHL completely ignored it, and then CCM came around and said, you know what, she did win, and we're going to give her $25,000. And I thought that was a great thing they did. Yeah, I thought it was a good gesture from them. I mean, CCM seems to be like a pretty stand-up act or a quality company to begin with from what I've seen in all their charity endeavors. But, I mean, she, she did technically beat Dreisaitl, even though it was unofficially and it was off the air. So yeah, it was only unofficial uh, to save him I mean, the embarrassment. I do, I do want to say this. It was interesting seeing some of the players. So, like, even during the speed competition, like, the players, as she skated past, they were all, like, like, their mouths were dropping down, like, yeah, oh, my the goodness. The look on their faces is, was great. She's literally as fast as some of the premier players in the league. Yeah, she was clocking like 21. 21, 22 miles an hour on skates. I'm like. That's what I can do on a bike. Yeah, and she's getting a speeding ticket in a school zone. <laughs> so, uh, all I'm saying is it was very, the ladies were very impressive. I could not believe the amount of talent that they were just demonstrating out there. And kudos to her and kudos for CCM for actually stepping up and, you know, doing doing the right thing and giving a nice award out. And it was very interesting because what happened after that, Kyle? So the NHL saw the criticism and saw that CCM actually stepped up and paid. And they said, guys, we've got this. And they said, you know what? We're going to donate $25,000 on behalf of the four women who are part of the All-Stars Skills Competition and give it to a charity of their choice. And it's like, great job, guys, but, but you're still second. missing the point. Get your silver polish out, McElroy, because you're still second. And they always do that. It always seems like they're just slightly late to the game. And they always seem to come off some sort of controversial media campaign or Twitter, you know, backlash or, God forbid, Facebook. Well, it's, it's actually, it's a mindset change. You have to understand that 
there are women out there that play hockey very well. So, for example, the NWHL is having their all-star game coming to Nashville. People are excited because these women are actually really good, and they love the sport. And some of them only make as much as $7,000 at the maximum. Yeah, I feel that as hockey fans in general, as a fan base, we all kind of feel like the NWHL has been underrepresented as a whole so far. And that kind of shows the state of hockey where we're at, where the females are, are becoming more of a center of attention and the center, the topic of discussion really and bringing them into the focus with alongside with the men at the Olympic level and every level of hockey to get them some what they really do deserve, which is pay at, at a particular rate and whatever. So, so good on CCM to... Uh, do something about it and for the NHL, I guess, to follow and do something as well. Because they really do deserve to be paid to do this for a living, just like the men are. Yeah, and it's the disparity in the checks is it's crazy. You can go do the research for yourself, but there there definitely is one. I mean, and that is quite uh, quite well represented. And, you know, I think it's about time they got paid, too. And if you're going to be in Nashville when the uh, NWHL's All-Star event shows up, go to it, enjoy it, and see that it is yep. just as good as the men's product on the ice. Yeah, that, that's going to be a fun event, so uh, I'm definitely going to try to get tickets for it. So hopefully uh, we'll see quite a few of you guys out there. Now I'll tell you one thing that's not been fun this year is being a GM or a coach in the National <laughs> Hockey League. Brutal. So far since the season has started, we've seen two general managers let go, and we've seen five coaches let go. So if you've been living under a rock, the coaches that got let go was the Blues replaced uh, Mike Yo, Flyers got rid of Dave Haxtell, Kings got rid of John Stevens, Oilers got rid of Todd McClellan, and the Blackhawks shocked the hockey world in general by getting rid of legendary three-time Mark Stanley Cup it. champion Q <laughs> and replaced him with Jeremy Colton. And then uh, the Flyers later on said, you know what, we got rid of our coach, we're going like to chuck our GM, you know, they brought up Chuck Fletcher. And then the surprising one, and Matt, could you believe this happened? Oh, I was thanking God when it finally oh, happened. Oh, my goodness. I have quite a few notes on this, but go ahead. So if you weren't listening to Twitter or anything, the Oilers did the unthinkable, <laughs> and they got rid of Peter Shirelli. Like a day late. And a dollar oh. short. <laughs> yes. Which I'll get to in a minute. Go ahead. Well, it definitely was a long time coming for the Oilers fan base. Uh, we can all agree. There's just no no doubting. Everybody is in agreement there. It is not just a day late. It's, it's a couple of years late, really, if you look at the trail of the decisions that, that he's made in the wake of the franchise there and just kind of left them in pieces. It's just unfortunate when you go back and look at some of the historical trades he's made that haven't panned out. Uh, we're finally glad to see maybe a new page turn and – hopefully turn over a new leaf there for the Edmonton organization. So, yeah, I, I was looking at some of his glorious track record. You know, it's funny because the day before, as you said, you know, it, it was a couple years, but let's let's talk about what happened literally the day before he gets fired. By the way, a lot of coincidence. in the middle of, like, second period, apparently that was the, you know, the reports said he actually got fired in the middle of the second period. And what was funny is against your team, Matt, the Red Wings. Oh, yeah. But uh, I have a feeling it wasn't just that Red Wings trouncing or nothing. It was yeah. that decision that you're about yeah. to mention. So he signs a 30-year goaltender. I'm pulling it up right now. 30 years old <laughs> who has played only 31 career NHL games to a three-year $12.5 million contract. Miko uh, Koskinen. 
Yeah. That's a lot of money. Three years, $12.5 million. For, for he's 31. He's only played 30 games. And yeah. he's 30 years old. Yeah. I think uh, it was Dimitri had a tweet on this, and he said this is the equivalent of someone, like, farting in a room before leaving because that is exactly what he did. There was, like, conflict in information. You know, the day that um, when Bob Nicholson came out, that's the owner of the Oilers, and was talking about it, you would hear somebody in the Oilers organization say, oh, no, Peter Shirley did this himself. And then someone else is like, oh, no, 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 the actual organization approved this. It's like, so who's right? So if you needed any more reasons to fire him, so I have four more. He also traded for the defenseman, Griffin Reinhardt, for first-rounder Matthew Barzell. Yeah. Okay, so let's go down the list. He also signed Lucic's contract, current contract, with a no-movement no clause and $6 million. He has had 12 and points in 50 games this season. Yes. You want more? Okay, so he actually traded right-winger Jordan Eberle to the New York Islanders for Ryan Strom. Who continue? Who, yes, yes. Who was later traded for Ryan Spooner, who was repl- who was placed on waivers. Yeah, that was like uh, maybe a week ago or so. And then to the cherry on top, and this is definitely going to get it for Matt. He traded Hall for Larson. Yeah. The eventual MVP. Yeah. Of the league last year, Hall for Larson. Yeah, and Larson is a done he's a second pair defenseman. Second pair defenseman. And those are just the, for the five, MVP. Yeah, five things right there. And we mentioned how Spooner had got put on waivers, and that essentially made that trade for Eberly. No. They gave him for free. Yeah, for it was a free trade. So I feel really bad for Connor McDavid. Like you thought you felt bad for Duchesne. Connor McDavid, man, I'm sorry because you could have had a great team. I looked at the roster yep. list of what it would have been like without any GM interference, and it was great. And now it's just pieces. And he could possibly be competing for a Stanley Cup if his GM hadn't really screwed the deal there. Could you imagine Hall and David on a team together right now? Are you kidding? Like, it's almost mind-boggling. And it they would have had Ann Eberle and Barzell. And, and Barzell. And Nuge. And yes. They just they had they would have had a good-looking team overall. And now it's... Yeah, it's what it is. They said uh, McDavid at the the speed competition looked like he was trying to 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 get around the track fast enough to shred his current contract. <laughs> if they had a paper shredder at the end of that, that's what he was racing for. Did Did you hear? Because I'd mentioned, man, I feel bad for him. So I wonder if he's wanting to try to get out now that they're shedding some dead weight. And they asked him somebody after the game, and he rather positively, of course, I would expect that from a a professional hockey uh, gentleman such as himself, but he said, you know, he's he's willing to stay and he wants to prove everybody wrong and all that. But uh, so apparently he actually wants to stay, and it was so positive. I think he probably means it, and he probably so will stay. So you mean the Oilers that currently have fifty one thousand dollars in cap space, and they already signed him to a twelve point five million dollar deal through the twenty four twenty five season? He's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. he's not. Your only hope is, you know, even if you're a fan, the Oilers or not, you want to see him do well. Well, you want to see him play well, and you want to see him have good teammates around him. My point is that what we've mentioned before is that it's just you're taking time off of this guy's life. He's one of the best players. Uh, he's probably the best player of our generation, maybe, you know, and you're going to be wasting at least five or six years of his time playing with a team that sucks. 
and it's just dead. It's just no good. So not only has he wasted his basically his entire career here, he now has put the next three to four years also in jeopardy, even with these moves. These like I mean, it's going to take them two to three years even to build back up to what they could have been. But like you said, I mean, you're talking seven years in your prime. This is a yeah. This is not a short term fix. This is a you're screwed for a long term kind of situation, and uh, it's it's just unfortunate. Well, I think we should move on to some more happier things. What do you say, boys? Please. So let's go over some of the stand-ins. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is the back half of the season officially. You know, the All-Star break is kind of just a bit over the halfway point, but nobody really considers the second half of the season start until after the All-Star break. And let's start with the Eastern Conference. These are our leaders and playoff contention as of Monday the 28th. I'm just going to say I'm a little shocked right now at this one. I am too. So starting in the Metro, since you know they were the winners of the All-Star Tournament, it's only fitting we start with them. Who saw the Islanders coming in at first with 63 points? No one. Count me out. By the way, you trade Tavares and you're still number one? And you got Barry Trotz as your coach now. I don't want to say it's all the coaching, but it looks like Trotz is doing an excellent job. He's already up for coach of the year. I mean, in my opinion, I think he's the front runner. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's gonna, resurrected them he's from get nothing it. with – I mean, arguably a depleted roster too. You lose Tavares. I mean, that, that's he's a superstar in his own right. And then you come in and rally the troops, and you're first in the division ahead of the defending Stanley Cup champion Capitals that you just left. Incredible job. And if you look at the Islanders compared to the rest of the league, I pulled some numbers and looked at where they are standing now compared to where they finished the year off in their standings. The Islanders finished the year in seventh place in the Metro out of eight, and now they're first. That's a jump in six spots. That's the highest jump top or bottom of any team on the list. So they made the highest moves, and that went to quite the upside. So they are doing something right for sure. The, the real question is, can he sustain it? Like, can they just continue this trend and finish strong? I, I don't know if I'm going to put them at being first because I think the Capitals will come on fairly strong in the second half. We've had more than enough sample size now, and they're at 63 points. Bro, so, I'm riding the Islanders. And their goal differential. Yeah. Their goal diff- it's differential super high. is it's like 20, plus 25. Yeah, 25. I'm, I was like, that's incredible. I'm in it for the underdog. Everybody talks about the Capitals. I want to see the Islanders shine, baby. I love Trots. I'm all for him doing well over there. It's just, it was very shocking to me. It, it's, it's, it really it's is. It's mind-boggling. Did you hear him say when – uh, he went back to Washington that you know, they kind of gave him like a video thank you or whatever, and he said he didn't feel like he even spent enough time there to deserve that. But uh, well, I mean, if you win your you team a cup, a cup yeah, you're going to yeah, get that's it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they're going to give you a little uh, award ceremony, you know, a little appreciation deal. He's always been a hard but humble man. You know, he's very, he's very, very rough, but he's Words also very humble. Look at that, Kyle. Coming in, swooping in, giving us nuggets of advice. Thank yep. you for that life that lesson. sage Kyle. I'm going to write that down there. on my thought board, you Kyle. <laughs> But, yeah, so Barry Trott's former team Capitals are second with 60 points, and then the Blue Jackets, of course, are competing at 59. And then if you swing over to the Atlantic, no shock, the Lightning are at first in their division with 76 points because, let's be honest, Kucherov, Stamkos, just they, they've been they're balling it. it. They've been killing it. Point has been on point, no pun intended. They actually, through the first 49 games, basically, yeah, the – since last week or whatever, they have 199 goals. They have the highest goals for 
uh, in the last 22 years, only one team has more than that through this mark. So yeah. their goal differential is plus 59. That's, yeah. that's historically they, um, whopping in the last 20 years. They score a lot of goals. Newsflash. They, they just score a lot of goals. And their power play is really good, too. So, you know. Maybe the Preds can learn from them. Let's not talk about that right now. But coming in second in the Atlantic is the Maple Leafs with 62. And somehow the Canadians are in third with 61. They're, they've been sneaky good this year. They've actually put together a couple, like, you know, a lot of their players are playing more consistently. Let me just say Thomas Tatar has been on fire this year, Duh. too, for them. What a great acquisition. So uh, that with Shea coming back and being relatively healthy now, it, it's um, – it's been a good combo for them. You look at the wild card stand-ins. The wild card number one is the Bruins with 59 points. That's crazy. And then our uh, ever team everybody loves to hate, uh, Penguins, are in the second wild card spot after a very just up-and-down year with 58 points. They have fallen two spots from where they sat at the end of last year, so we've kind of made the predictions. They've lost a few assets, and now it's really kind of starting to show. Yeah, and tonight was the first games back from the All-Star break, and they lost it to the New Jersey Devils 6-3. to And currently, by the way, the Jets are getting beat 3-1 to by the Flyers, so we hope that holds. Good job, Gritty. Take them down. So now we're going to go over to the Western Conference, and we'll start with the Pacific, who saw the Flames coming with 71 points. They are on fire, pun intended. Yeah, uh, I mean, Johnny Hockey has been playing out of his mind he this year. He has as many points as Connor McDavid currently. Yeah, he, he's been killing it this year. That's and, balling. And their power play has been on point, too. They've, they've been super hot, but it'll be interesting to see if they can stay that hot throughout the entire year. But, I mean, kudos to them. They've really turned around. By the way, they're averaging 23.6% on the power play. And I'd like to say, if this happens, I'm calling it right now the James Neal effect if it happens. So... James Neal was with the Preds two years ago. Stanley Cup final. Gets sent to Vegas. Stanley Cup final. Three years in a row. What happens if he gets the Flames to Stanley Cup finals? They lose, obviously. (laughs) They they lose. (laughs) But do you think a team would actually try to look at him and go, you know what? He's got this thing about him. Because, you know, some hockey GMs and coaches are all about those intangibles. Yeah, he's the new uh, Marion Hossa. He did that for three or four years. He just chased the team who won the cup. He, he swept ships and went to that team. And then once a new team, he went over there. That's very interesting. But they, they are doing much better than uh, expected, for sure. Yeah, a plus 45 goal for differential. That's, that's insane. They got 33 wins, only 13 losses. And then you got the Sharks in second with 65 points. And then uh, Fanboys, Golden Knights are in third with 62 points. Mm-hmm. A little, um, little bit of a, a tail off from them this year, but I, I think they're going to still be you know, pretty tough in the playoffs here. I'm happy to see them not fall off the map like a couple people speculated. So I'm, kinda, I'm glad to see them. They're currently in a playoff spot. I like that. So they didn't fall off. They, they're not like killing it. They're just doing pretty good. Flurry's going to keep them in a oh, playoff dude, position yeah. because – He's good. He's a good enough goaltender to give them enough games and make up for some of their lackluster defense right now. So they're they're going to be just fine with Flurry as long as they have him for the next couple of years. They're, they're going to be fine. That that was the steal of that draft, by the way. Uh, I mean, it was yeah, yeah. It was one of those like the Penguins had to protect one or the other, and both were starting goaltender, like yeah. really good starting goaltenders. That really so, hurt them. So yep. they could pick one or the other and have an excellent Stanley Cup winning goaltender come in in a new franchise immediately. That is one of the reasons why the Golden Knights have been so successful from the start is solid goaltending just straight out the gate. He currently has more wins than any other goalie 
probably a pretty yes. good margin and sh- actually. And shutouts too. Yeah. So he's he's actually they're they're saying he's one of the front runners along with I think it was Anderson right now for the Vesna this year. Um and then Peck's probably around fourth or third, so he's putting together another solid year too. But I mean it's difficult to have back to back Vesnas and Peck's been doing an excellent job this year. And speaking of the Preds, let's go on over to the Central. So the Jets and the Preds are in a two way tie for first. Jets have got the lead. They're both tied at sixty four points, but the Jets have played forty nine games compared to the Preds fifty two. Yeah, and like I said, actually, as of right now, there's, there's, oh, the game went final. So the Jets have actually lost, and I don't know if this is updated, but that should be the 49th or the 50th game for them. So that was a big loss for them and kind of puts us a little bit more in striking range, but they do have those games at hand. And then you got the Wild at 55, and I'll be honest, the Wild are higher than what I thought they were going to be this season. And then the Wild card. No surprise, Stars and Abs are basically slugging it out at 52. And I'm surprised the Abs have dropped so much, considering they've got that beast of a top line. But that's it, though. Yeah. Uh, remember what we said at the, it's a one the trick remember pony. we said that if they cooled off just slightly, they would start tailing off. And look, they've cooled off a little bit. They're still getting good production, but it wasn't like the unreal production that we were used to seeing. And now they're slacking off. And. I don't think they're going to be able to sustain it. It's going to be interesting to see where they finish at the end of the year. But uh, I, I know for Colorado fans, it's got to be a little frustrating. But they got to get some more depth in there. Well, hey, he made a good player coach. So, you know, if he quits skating, he has a good future as a coach, possibly. But going on to the league stats, you know, these are some things that are coming on at the second half of the season. Lightning's Kucherov leads with 78 points. No surprise, 22 goals and 56 assists in 49 games. Also has the most assists overall. Do you think he might win the MVP of the league this year? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting because he's obviously going to win the point race, but we have someone definitely in contention, in contention, and he's putting up quite the numbers for the goal category, and that is your boy, Alexander Ovechkin, who is also leading the league with 37 goals this year. That's insane. I mean, if he keeps that up, he's going to – I would say he would easily clip 60 points, 60 goals. He just uh, passed Fedorov for most points by a Russian, by the way. How do you feel about that? That is elite company. I think ex- that's, that's Fedorov's my top five all-time kind of kind of category. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember when you texted about that. You were a little upset by that. Yeah, yeah I was. But and well, he, he's played 50 games, though, and got 37 goals. I think that's incredible given his age. And I think we, we've talked about it several times on this show, all the accomplishments he's about to achieve and all the milestones he's about to pass, especially next year. If he puts up another 40-goal year next year, it's going to be crazy the people that he actually passes on the list for most goals all time next year. And looking at the goalie side, uh, Lundqvist is four wins away from 450 wins, which is a you know a sweet milestone to have. And the Islanders, Robin Lehner, leads with a .931 save percentage, which, you know, as we said, Islanders are leading first in the met- in the Metro, and that definitely plays a part of it. And he leads in golds against as well. And then finally, we don't like to mention the Blackhawks on this program, but Kane's one point away from 900 career points. That's an incredible accomplishment. But you know. Love him, hate him, that's still something to be proud of no matter what you do. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, I, 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 you can't blame them. I will I mean, say there's some stuff that you don't like off the ice, and there's, as a Preds fan, obviously there's 
some deep-seated uh, hate towards the Blackhawks. But on top of that, I, I mean, the dude's killer. I mean, even at the All-Star Tournament, him and Kane actually were on a line together, and they actually looked pretty decent together. Yeah, they were, that first game, Kane had... I don't know how many breakaways. It was insane. Like, he, he could have scored 10 goals that first game. <laughs> and since we're talking about uh, Yossi and Kane, let's get into the Pred stats. So, 52 games have been played. They are currently second in the Central, as we said. They're fourth in the conference, and they're fifth in the league. And their record is 31-15-2. Not bad. They've had more wins at home for the season, 16-9-0, which I think is awesome. They've not had a single overtime loss at home. And an away record is 14-9-4. And their last 10, they've been 6-3-1. A little cool down from what we've seen. What do you guys think overall so far? I think you guys had to shoulder the injury bug for a little while there. But I'm starting to feel a little better. We're coming over that hump and starting to get back on track. And, and a good time to do it. This is a good halfway point in the season. And now it's time to start settling in. Hopefully we got all that out of the way. And uh, things are starting to come back on the upswing again. Yeah, I think Matt hit it on the head and even said earlier in the season when we came off to that hot start, that was the key for us positionally being where we are at this point. Because if we don't get off to that hot start when everyone is fresh and not injured, we are probably close to being not in playoff contention, actually. And I thought we weathered the storm. Uh, we still got a couple more injuries. We got the tourist one looming out there. I think uh, GM gave an update a couple uh, days ago and said that it seems like it'll be two to three games even after the All-Star break, which kind of sucks because he's been out. I mean, Turris has been out a lot this season. It, it, it's kind of shocking, actually, uh, the amount of games that he hasn't played. And that has really suffered. And our second line is just not gelled this year. I think – we know what our first line is, obviously. The third and fourth line this year has really come together, and we've been getting, like, Nick Benino? Are you kidding me? Like, have you seen some of his stats so far for us this year? He's definitely had an up year. I'm just concerned if he can keep that consistency or not. I, I don't think it's going to be consistent across the board, but it's nice that people have stepped up in the absence when all of our superstars and $30 million of our cap space went out the window uh, during the uh, – uh, the injury bug spell. But, I, I mean, who who would have thought Nick Bonino would have as many points as he does? I think a lot of that has been that he has been in the right place at the right time. 27 points. He has 14 goals. He's third on the team in, in goals. He's tied with Smith for goals. I'll put it like that. Yeah, he's he's a veteran player, and you give a guy like that some space. You you put the puck on his tape, and he's likely to make something happen with it, and I'm glad he has been able to capitalize, especially in a time when the Preds do need it most. It, it seems like he's going to the net more, too, I think, than any other player. He's He's been definitely parking his butt in front of it, and he's been getting good results. So, I mean, it, it, shocking, yes, but much needed. And it'll be interesting to see once finally Turris comes back if that second line can gel, and then it'll be even more interesting to see if we want to make another move right before the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the if you go to Cap Friendly and you look at uh, the Preds cap space that they've got projected right now, they've got six point nine million dollars in cap space. So it wonders who you're going to pick up, because it seems like if we make a call for anybody, they're gonna we're gonna probably try to get I would say see, but hey, would you want Dante Fabro in your blue line? Because let's be honest. If he doesn't play this coming season for the Preds, he's going to probably go somewhere else. Yep. 
Or the other piece that teams are going to be asking for is, hey, we'll take Tolvanen off your hands. And the Preds fandom is going to give that a hard pass. They don't want to lose Tolvanen. So I don't want to lose Tolvanen. It makes you really wonder what pieces are actually available on this team. And honestly, the only person I can think of, and this gets mixed reviews too, Fiala. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He yeah, he this, has had a problem with turnovers all season. He, he's been inconsistent all season, but at the same time, I don't know if Poyle is ready to give him up quite yet, considering that Turris has been out so long. You took away your center, who is basically the distributor for Fiala to get points and your playmaker, and he opens up a lot. With Turris being out so long this year, I don't know if the GM could like you know fully no I just don't think he can fully grasp at where that line's at until Turris comes back well regardless Fiala is RFA this coming season and he's on the last year of his entry-level contract so if something does happen he's either going to get signed or he's going to get traded now when you take a look at the Preds um, power play deficiency this year it has been terrible they are 30th in the league right now and if you go to HockeyViz.com and you pull up the National Predators and you take a look at the shots taken on the power play, you're going to see two colors, a purple and a green. Purple is good, green is bad. And there is a big, dark green spot in the slot. Because this team loves to shoot from the, basically from the blue line of the circles. Yeah, it's it's been widely known that we have not done well on the power play this year. And it is interesting to see kind of the mind process or the thoughts behind what is not working and working for our power play. I mean, obviously the slot has been non-existent for our power play, but it's also funny because the GM and Lavi have both said that now that they've got all their players back, they're trying to work back towards their old like style of power play, which I'm like, we've never been really that great at the power play to begin with. So you don't I'm have like, a style so unless you're I don't, successful. I don't really understand where we're going back towards. Maybe yep. like the 20th in the league power play rather than the 29th. I mean, that's better than the 20th, but I, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like there's a lot of excuses on the power play. And I think that if we do go out and get a trade or go for someone as a rental, it would be nice to see someone with a big – physical net front presence that we could park in front of the net on the power play. We've, we've missed it all year. It's funny because you get rid of Fisher and you get rid of Hartnell, Hartnell. and then you, you don't realize how much you miss them until they're gone. And to be honest, they're, they're a big part of that. And RV being out so long too, I mean, jump screen, baby, it hasn't been there. So, Oh yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why some people are trying to, I guess, clamor to get uh, Wayne Simmons because at his age, he would mostly be a power play person he's gonna cost too much though well and you see kind of a common thing with the, with the older guys not just Wayne Simmons but it's a thing of their generation they played some of that older hockey a little bit still and that what that equates to is that gritty tough they stay in your face they agitate you they're sandpaper they're in their junkyard areas getting those dirty goals they're not there to be sexy they're there to get it done when it counts and that's what they do it's it's something with the, with the older generation so whether or not he's too expensive or, or we'll, if we'll even be able to land him, I would like to see if it's him or somebody else, somebody with that type of aspect to their game that they could bring to, to the table for the Predators. If you watch the Vegas game, you notice that the power play looked really good, actually. We didn't score, but we had a lot more dangerous chances. 
And so, like I said, I went over to the hockey viz and I took a look at it and I said, what is the power play units that they're using? For the first time all season, they were using a four forward 1D power play system on both units. And it looked immediately better. Because Nashville's traditionally been It's always been defense yeah, heavy. It's been defense heavy every time. And so I mentioned it on Twitter because I was watching the game and I was live tweeting the game since you know you guys you were uh, recovering and you were getting over sickness. So I'm live tweeting the Vegas it was like game. Three a.m. Yeah. And so I I mentioned I said hey I'm so excited that for the first time in the season Nashville's using this system that the majority of good power play teams this season are using. And somebody was like, No, they've they've always used it. And I was like, No, they haven't. So it was arguing back and forth. And so I went through. All, all 52 games <laughs> and I noted what power play system was used Kyle's been a little bored since we've been gone yeah he had a Damn. little extra time on his hands uh over this break so he thoroughly researched this topic so go ahead Kyle the Preds used the four forward 1d system on their Vegas game now if you go all the way back to October 4th through December 22nd they did a split which meant one line was 2d and three forwards and the other line was four forwards and one D. Now, with the exception of Anaheim, December 23rd through January 21st, they did both units did a three forward two D. And that's where you saw like the terribleness of the power play. That was when you were missing like Subin yep. and those types of players. With the exception of Anaheim on November 12th. And then you get right back into Vegas where it's the four forward one D. So the stats are there and it shows that the four forwards and one D is the best unit to use. So, if you had to sum up the most surprising thing of the season so far, as far as the league or possibly the Preds, what would each of you have to say? Well, if I'm going to say with the Preds, it'd be Rocco Grimaldi. That's a good choice. Very surprised. You know, he's basically Victor Arvison 2.0. He's just a little... <laughs> less skills, but yes. Less skills. Gritty. But gritty, gets in there, and had that beautiful uh, spinorama backhand goal. Just oh, yeah, that blew was, the that lid was off everybody. And then league-wise as a whole, I would say it has to be the fact that Islanders are doing so good. Like I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you can give me that look, Matt, but, you know, you said earlier, you weren't expecting the Islanders. Nobody the, look, the look was that was my pick as well. For the league, that's that's the big story in the league right now. And if, for my take on the Predators, the, the overarching story for me is the injuries. You know what's crazy is I was crunching a few stats here, and we, we as we said earlier, Ovi's been kicking butt this year. I mean – pretty well known he's averaging 0.74 goals a game by the way you know who's second on the list for goals averaging per game who victor arvidson arvidson has played 28 games and he has scored 19 goals putting up a 0.678 goals a game average which is shocking compared to his contract so, do you know who he is in front of this year as far as goals average per game? So, as we know, Ovechkin is leading. And, by the way, they were practically tied until he scores his hat trick right before the break because Ovi has a hat trick right before. Currently, Arvidsson is averaging more goals a game than Point, Tavares, Skinner, Goudreau, McDavid, Kane, Landeskog, McKinnon. Those that are is, just the top ten on the list, by the way. That is quite a but list. He is averaging more goals a game than those. That's the top ten. So obviously, there's other great players that are past that list. But you listen to those names: Point, Tavares, Skinner, 
Goudreau, McDavid, Kane, McKinnon, Landis Gog. I mean, look where he's taking the shots on the net. He's basically right there in the slot, and he's on the right-hand side. He is on fire. And for a mere $4.5 million. Isn't that crazy that we were able to sign him for that amount? He's one of the, he is one of those draft choices that teams are now like, you know, at the time they passed on him for good reason because he didn't fit their system. But now you're kind of thinking, man, if they had taken him and he produced on their teams, where would they be at? Yeah, it's $4.25 million actually through the 23-24 season. So we locked him in long-term on top of it and for $4.25 million, And he is the second in the league for goals average right behind Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, and he's beating and, think, and, he's, and he's beating all those people that I just named. Like I you're think talking Tavares, a Kane. All you guys do is say McDavid, basically. McDavid, he, he's beating yeah. McDavid. And uh, for the month of January, I believe still he has more goals than anybody in in January. Yes, because when he came back, he had like I think it was 12 goals in 14 games since coming back. Yeah. It, that's insane. Like uh, the the fact that he's been able to do that. What's crazy is he might be able to do a 40 goal season with missing 25 games. I would not be surprised if he hits it. So he could potentially be the first Predator ever to hit 40 goals, and I think that could be the biggest storyline of the season. And I think, to be honest, this is another coming out year for him despite his injuries, and people are starting to notice that Victor Arvidsson is legit and he is for real. And I mean, look, he's not going anywhere. He leads the team in goals. He's got 19 goals. Yeah, it's quite startling. The, the numbers for him this year, but uh, I'm I'm very happy that one we were able to sign him long term. But uh, he just seems right at home here with the Predators. He he fits in with the locker room. He loves that top line. So it's going to be good to have them all back. Let's get Torres back and let's finish the second half of the season because I'm excited for the playoffs. Playoffs are the best time of the year. So let's bring it on. And that's when we'll hit our crunch time too. But despite that being the happiest time of the year. There has been mass jubilation from the Predators fan base and the organization as a whole by the biggest announcement this week that exploded on radio and Twitter. And what could that be, Kyle? Preds are finally getting a Winter Classic. We are going to Dallas, baby. The Winter Classic. Not just an outdoor stadium series. We are getting the Winter Classic in the Cotton Bowl. One of the most iconic places to play football, and we are going to go there. Yeah, 92,000 people. That's the capacity of the stadium, Matt. I think. Are you ready? Some of the commentators were saying that we might could actually outshine the uh, The Stars stars, fan. That's what they're saying. And you know what they said? They selected the Predators because they thought the Predators fans would be traveling very well. And I guarantee you, based off the based off the Twitter storm that happened when the announcement. And people already booking hotels are in advance this far. I mean, we're a year out. Yeah. And I'm. I mean, I'm already looking at it. I know Kyle is. I yeah, know you I've are. I've made mention to like, the wife of it. We, actually. Yeah. I. Uh, we're gonna get a group together and go to this on New Year's Day. And what's crazy is to think that there could be out of the ninety thousand, ninety-two thousand, there could be sixty, sixty-five thousand gold jerseys in a single stadium. Wait, it just hit me. Imagine we score a goal, that entire stadium of gold does our goal chant. Oh, baby, it's going on. And then does the goalie chant. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it with 60,000 people. 
I mean, it's going to be great. Can I mean, you imagine 60, 70,000 people yelling, Bishop, you suck? That will resonate across that city. I mean, you, you, the cell block's got to be there to start the chant, so I hope they already booked their tickets. I mean, 303 just, um, they must already have their section. You know, they probably already have it um, out in the bowl already uh, sectioned off for them. But I know I'm extremely excited. And to get the winter classic out of them all, it's going to be incredible. And, by the way, we haven't even talked about it. We're getting winter classic jerseys. I yeah, hope they cool. don't what? suck. Well, I mean, we have been. Okay, so it's confirmed. Sean Henry was actually on the radio, and I was listening to it on uh, Jared and the GM. And he actually said that we will be the away team, obviously, because we're playing in Dallas. So you are going to have the white component. But he said they will sprinkle in gold as much as they can on the accented colors. But I'm I'm very interested to see what they go with. So it doesn't sound like they're going with the the navy and silver. So they're not going retro. So it seems to be a unique winter classic yeah. jersey, which I'm very excited they about. Tend Possibly to, uh, the third jersey. They tend to branch out a little more with the outdoor jerseys too. So that so, could be a good sign for seeing something a little different. I, I, I'm hoping maybe maybe like a slightly altered look. I'm just I'm I'm just excited because we're in a we're in the freaking winter classic and. We're going to get to go to it. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that we've come this far as a franchise, too, speaks volumes for what the NHL thinks about our fan base and how they want and how they know we're going to travel for this. I mean, they oh, you, know we're going to show up. You knew it was coming. When they saw the response of Nashville getting the Stanley Cup final and how just night after night it was packed, not only in the arena but outside, they knew that they had a market on their hands for the type of outdoor game. Of course, we just had to get the Blackhawks to fail first so that we could actually uh, kick them out, you know, because we took their game from them. Yeah, and of course, I was really hoping to get a um, Global Series game, which probably won't happen, obviously, this year because they are not going to give a a team the Winter Classic and a Global Series game. But to get the Winter Classic here at home, great warm-up, and I think probably next year it seems like the Preds could probably get a global away game, which would be really fun, and that would definitely be on my trip list if we could go to, you know, like Sweden or Finland for a sweet global game. Yeah, they said if we'd done the global, we was going to play the Bruins, which would have been cool. I think it would have been like Switzerland or Sweden we would have went to. Well, we just got back from Switzerland, so we could have been your guide, but uh, actually I've been to Sweden too. so well, I, I will say it was funny, um, and she'll get a kick out of this because I know she's going to listen to this. As soon as the Winter Classic was announced, I texted our little group and I was like, I'm going. A few minutes later, text back. Chelsea's cool with it too. Yeah, he he forgot to ask because you're getting married, you know. Like three months before this happens. But um, No, what what happened was you said, I'm in, and then a couple minutes later you said, correction, we are in. Yes. Because (laughs) as a rookie, you haven't uh, thought that one out so far yet. So... A little bit of an Look, error. I was speaking in faith. A little, little error, but uh, we, we got past it, and we will hopefully all be there as a group for the Winter Classic, which is going to be an incredible experience, and I hope it's got a smoking Winter Classic jersey. And I, I, I can't wait to see the response because I honestly think the expectation is that the Cotton Bowl is completely packed. You know it's going to be. Like, completely packed. Like, there's 90,000 people there. I don't care if we're on the very top row. The fact that we're at an outdoor game watching our boys play. Oh, it's it's going to be incredible. I can't wait for it. 60 degrees. <laughs> it'll, it'll probably be 50 or 60 degrees, too, in Dallas at the time. So, 
it'll be good watching weather for hockey, even though it'll be slightly warmer than what we're used to in an indoor rink or the current playing conditions. So, Matt, you got any league news to mention? Yeah, a couple things that we haven't mentioned is that Carolina has been in the news lately. They have signed Tevu Teravainen to a five-year deal at a 5.4 mil uh, extension. So that's a good signing for them. And they also have acquired uh, a trade. They got Nino Niederreiter from Minnesota in exchange for Victor Rask as well. So we'll see how that pans out. I think it's probably a fair trade for both sides. People speculate one way or the other, but it seems to be fairly equal across the board both ways. And also the NHL have announced that there will be no World Cup of Hockey in 2020 due to possible lockout situation. No smoke in jerseys again. Rest in peace, Team North America. And as of maybe an hour ago or so, Toronto announced that they have acquired Jake Muzzin from the Kings in exchange for uh, a couple little pieces, a pick and a player and uh, the rights to another guy. But uh, small pieces. The big story is Toronto uh, has Jake Muzzin now. So. Yeah. They said he was a pretty decent defender next to Dowdy, yep. essentially. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, good player. So uh, I think both sides are happy with that trade. So doesn't seem to be anything too crazy, but I mean, decent trade for both sides involved. The King, Kings need pieces to build on because they're sucking. Yeah, yeah they're, they're it's, pretty It's bad. a little bit harder to gauge the, the equality of the trade when you have a, a pick because that's yet to be determined in a player and then the rights to another guy. But uh, we, we know who Jake Muzzin is, so – that says what that is, so that's that's pretty good for Toronto. And I will say we did make a friend. Uh, well, you guys were gone. I guess I made the friend on Twitter is that we got a Carolina Hurricanes podcast to follow us, and so we were uh, we razzed them back and forth a little bit. You razzed them because yes, we were asleep. You we guys were getting all of our notifications and waking us yeah, up at three a.m. Yeah, hockey like, time was about five a.m. our time or so. Three to three, five, four, five yeah. a.m. It was peak season and. Boy, we got well, blown out on our phones the first night. We we learned real quick that if it was a hockey night, we had to turn off the phones. We had to do something. We sorry. Had to, like one day, we had to put the phones on. Uh, yeah, I towels went to the bathroom and got towels because, because even the vibrating, vibrating sound yeah. was too loud. My bad. Yeah. Look. Well, anyways, if they're listening, hello to the guys from the Red Revolution Rampage Podcast. Revolution. That's awesome. But so, Daniel, what games do we have coming up? All right, so after our long All-Star break, we still actually have four more days to our next game, and that will be Friday against the Florida Panthers, followed by a quick turnaround to Dallas at home on Saturday. Then we have Arizona and Dallas again on Tuesday and Thursday, followed by St. Louis away on Saturday, and then St. Louis again on Sunday, so a home-home that weekend. I hate home-to-home so much. Yeah, it's quite an interesting dynamic. Then... Tuesday, the 12th, we actually host the Detroit Red Wings game I'm going to and will be attending. And then we also round out at home on the 14th against Montreal. So Shea's return back to Bridgestone. And hopefully by then, we should have another episode out. Will this be the first time they've actually played each other since the trade? No. We had the Shea Weber and PK reunion earlier this season. Um, I think P- did PK score that game? No, he didn't. Maybe he didn't. Okay, I wasn't sure because I knew when the trade happened, everyone was like, they both kept getting injured at the times they were supposed to play each other, so everyone kept waiting for that. So yeah, it was yeah, it was won. fairly recent. Yeah, we won. It was four to one against Montreal. There you go. 
Ekholm had a goal. Fiala had a goal. Grimaldi had a goal. And Arvidsson. Oh, PK had, PK had two assists that night. So he, he did fairly well in the reunion. So We'll definitely looking forward to see how that goes. Maybe PK can score and get all the Canadians mad. But guys, the second half of the season is upon us. Let's see what happens. This has been Music City Gold. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Take it away, Rachel. You've been listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio, powered by the Ingram Agency. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at C. Dandrum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Penalty Box Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.